Welcome to the She Runs It podcast, where we help women succeed in business and life. I'm Nicole DeBoom. And I'm Sarah Ratcliffe. We're two successful entrepreneurs who own and run multiple seven-figure businesses. We came together when Nicole wanted to sell her business, Skirt Sports. Through the acquisition process, we genuinely connected, and then we quickly realized the power of combining our business talent, and together, we make the perfect team. Nicole's an amazing visionary, a community builder, and she excels at creating successful business models. If you're ready to start and conceptualize a business, Nicole is here for you. And Sarah is an amazing strategist who kicks ass in massive revenue growth and building successful systems. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, Sarah will help you do that and more. We believe that business is fun and empowering, and we're on a mission to inspire, connect, and advocate for other women just like you to succeed in business and life. Now let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Sarah, you with me today? I am. We're so glad that you are here. And I'm just one of Sarah's joining us today. But before we talk to the other Sarah, I just wanted to uh, remind everybody that as a listener of our podcast, you get a lovely discount at skirtsports.com with the code POD20. So 20% off your order with POD20. Oh, I love that. Yes, use it. You can never have too many skirts. All right. Um, as as Sarah Ratzliff mentioned, see, we're we're gonna confuse you guys today. Actually, I'm gonna be the confused one because I'm gonna be like Sarah Dean, Sarah Ratzliff. We have an amazing guest because one of the things that we love to do on this podcast is to share other women who are helping women feel great about themselves. And today we have none other than the Sarah Dean, the founder of the Shameless Mom Academy. Many of you already know her because she's such a badass, but I'm going to share a little bit about her background before we dive right in. Sarah Dean is a mindset, business, and leadership coach for moms. Over the past two decades, she's built three successful businesses culminating in her wildly popular Shameless Mom Academy. She's also the creator and host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, which you need to subscribe to, a top-rated podcast with over 4.5 million downloads. That's a lot. Her biggest passion is helping women own their space. After enduring a long infertility journey and then a full-blown identity crisis following the birth of her son, Sarah took her background in psychology, health, and wellness and rebuilt her identity one step at a time. Today, Sarah motivates and inspires women to stop shrinking and start growing in every aspect of their lives. She's on a mission to inspire women and moms in particular to live bolder, bigger, braver every damn day. And I love that you can say every damn day because you know what? You got to own it, right, Sarah? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. 
I love yeah, well, it. I feel you, so you special right now. Has the best. Her intros are like, do you just feel like a rock star? At yes. The end of I'm like, I need to like redo how I do more expressive intros now. Cause you just like, I'm so pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm ready to do some pushups or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's go do a 5k. <laughs> Let's do it. You so, you know, this is like really, really fun because you are just a pioneering woman who is out there helping women feel great. But I know that it's been a journey to get there. So I thought, you know, I gave people a little bit of the the fun stuff, but maybe you could take us back in time and share your meandering journey to the powerhouse you are today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't I like any other person listening to this podcast. I only have moments of feeling like a powerhouse <laughs> and plenty of moments where I don't, but, um, so, but thank you for such a lovely compliment. Um, I will go back to 2003. So 19 years ago, I became a personal trainer. This was my second career. I had previously worked in a psychiatric hospital with kids and I moved into fitness because I had gone through my own personal journey with fitness, grew up not athletic, really uncomfortable in my own skin, really uh, not feeling like I had any power with my body and became an athlete as an adult. And it really shifted everything for me. And as a result of that, I went back to school, got my certification for personal training, became a personal trainer. And over the course of 15 years, ended up owning my own fitness studio and running programs for women and boot camps for women and all sorts of things that were, I never saw coming. I didn't set out to do a lot of the things I ended up doing. Uh, but they were so, it was so awesome. It was so awesome to guide women through transformation and growth um, and really see how physical transformation and helping women get physically strong impacted the rest of their lives because it touched every corner of their lives, just like it touched every corner of mine. And I also really, at a certain point, felt like I was in this industry run by men that was so degrading to women. And after my son was born, I, really struggled to continue to show up in that space in an authentic way. Um, I shifted a lot of my messaging, recognizing that like, I don't want to be a person whose legacy is helping women shrink their bodies. But as I tried shifting that, my people still wanted me to help them shrink their bodies because that's what we're taught to do as women. That is our life mission and goal above anything else that we should always be trying to get smaller. You should always have a weight loss goal. You should always be like aiming to get more lean and more this and that and the other thing, um, to be smaller and take up less physical space because diet culture and patriarchy. And so I decided as a passion project to start a podcast for moms, not related to fitness. So thus was born the shameless mom Academy. And as a result of that, I recognized this was my place to help women and help moms take up space. And pretty quickly, I realized that I, as much as I was really proud of the fitness community I had built, I really wanted to go all in on helping women take up space and not help women shrink their bodies anymore. So I sold my gym and now the podcast is six years old and has multiple communities built around it. Um, and I'm not helping women shrink in any way anymore. I'm only helping women take up space and shine every damn day. I, Sarah Ratzliff, you just have something right on the tip of your tongue. I can see no, it. No, I'm just like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> what I an mean, amazing journey. I, I feel like, it. you know, th- this is such a polar opposites, right? 
shrinking versus taking up space. And you kind of made it sound like, oh, it just kind of happened over, you know, like pretty quick. Like, I just realized this and I went from one extreme to the other. Was it really like that? Was there like a light bulb moment or was did this take some time for you to uh, realize this and then adjust your entire business mentality to support it? It definitely took place over time. Um, but it, it took place in my own postpartum journey for sure is kind of where it started. And I had realizations pretty quickly in that journey around like how I wanted to, how things were shifting within me and what became, what mattered more than shrinking my body. Um, what really took place over time was recognizing that I can't just change my marketing message in my fitness business and have everyone follow suit because their cultural messaging was so ingrained that no matter what I said, they were going to still be, they're still tied into diet culture. And so like a perfect example is we ran transformation programs, um, a few times a year. And I shifted those transformation programs that had been really about weight loss and women setting weight loss goals. And I said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to weigh people. We're not going to measure people. We're not doing before and after pictures. And people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's what I'm paying for. And I was like, no, no, I want to give you like a better transformation where it's not dependent on those metrics. People still wanted those metrics because they didn't know how to think outside that box because for their entire lives, that's the way they had been trained. And so it was pretty quick for me and real gradual for my, and which helped me really see that, oh, I have like, my mission needs to shift because women, we need to get women need to get out of this box. Like this cannot be the, a weight loss goal. It cannot be a women's primary goal for their entire life. It's so fascinating um, because so I, in addition to skirt sports, there are a number of sort of athletic communities, you know, that are within our scope. We have our Zuma Run Club. We do a number of, of races. We have like, we actually have a challenge coming up called Fitter, Stronger, Faster. We have um, a summer challenge, you know, a number of things where women are kind of like working out together. And and I find it, it's it's interesting because you shared that how important it was for you to feel comfortable and strong in your body, but yet then also not shrink. Right. So I think there's, um, it's important to do, to do, I'm just, I'm thinking about it in, in my mind, right. Cause we don't have, we don't talk about transformations in our group. We don't speak of, we really try to stay away from kind of food and, um, the idea of weight loss, right. And just more supporting each other in their journeys. And it's so important. It's so important, I think, to have communities like that because it is important that we feel strong and powerful, I think, both physically and mentally and emotionally. But that doesn't mean, to your point, that you have to take up less space. Like we can be strong and fast and powerful, um, but that doesn't mean you have to shrink. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, eat less um, or or lose weight. So it's it's, and I do think you're right. Women are are we're taught our whole lives to think that I think the next generation is starting to change that a little bit. I just see it in my daughter. Yeah. Um, because there are so many different, uh, role models, if you will, you know, I mean, Lizzo lover, yep. hater, like she owning it. And she's like, she, it's just, it's great. And and that didn't happen when, when we were growing up. So I love that, that, that culture is shifting. So I know that that's not what we were talking about, but as you were discussing, I was like, I want to take a second to just 
discuss kind of how important it is that we don't continue to talk to women about shrinking. You know, it's, it's, that's not the important part, but you can be powerful and strong in your body. Um, and that helps you be powerful and strong in mind and spirit. So, sorry, I digressed. Well, <laughs> what was Sarah, the next question? And yeah, so Sarah Dean, like hearing that, I mean, like you said, it was a process. I remember when I was at Skirt Sports, there was this time when everybody showed their transformation photos mm-hmm. and people applauded them. And then it felt like all of a sudden one day, it was like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> You can't do that anymore. That's insulting. Or that's like telling people they have to transform their body to become smaller in order to get celebrated. Mm -hmm. So it just like, boom, it just changed. It felt felt to me like it changed overnight. And then like, even as a person in marketing, you're like, well, what do I do now? I don't know how to sell Like now you got to reframe my website then. Like (laughs) it was, it was very tricky because I was like, I can put some positive quotes on here, but like, that's not what people want to pay a whole bunch of money for. <laughs> it was it's really so tricky. It's so true. Well, and there's the visible element of it too, right? It's yeah. such a, it's, it's hard. You can't like, you can't Instagram a mindset transformation. You know what I'm saying? Like you look mm-hmm. the same, even though you've shifted internally, but like physically, if you've, if you've changed from this size to this size, like people can see that instantly and and comment on it. And that's, I think that's the, the hard part. Probably if you've transformed mentally, you you're not posting on Instagram anymore. (laughs) And you know, people are, people are skeptical of proof that's not visible. So if I, if I show up and this is the other thing about women and the way we're socialized, if I start to just show up more boldly and more confidently and and demonstrating more courage in my life. If the, a lot of times other women around me take on this, like, who does she think she is? Like, what's going on there? Which is different than like, if I show up and I've lost 15 pounds, people are like, you look amazing. But if I say like, I'm going to go build my own business out. Cause I have this newfound confidence. People are skeptical. So it's, it's a, it's, it's really tricky because it's not just true. Yeah. It's not just the way we're conditioned to shrink our bodies, but it's also the way we're conditioned to question other people's growth. If a dude says he's going to go start a company, people are like, go for it. That's amazing. A woman says she's going to go start a company and people are like, that's cute. Let us know when you're done. Like we'll hold this job over here because we know you're going to be coming back here. Great. Send me a link to your Etsy shop. I'll go. Show, right. Yes. You know? With like, right? and it's like an eye roll. You're like, I guess I'll buy your Etsy thing, like as community right. service. When it's like that Etsy, like I have coaches or I have clients who I coach who have Etsy businesses that are wildly successful, but exactly. they have to fight. They have to fight for that title every single day because oh it's like God. just this cute little mom thing. <laughs> no, I literally five minutes before we got on, I just bought a dog collar on Etsy. It has pickles on it because our dog's name is Pickle, and we're getting Love him it. next week. And I, but I, I love this idea, you know, that we're trying to help people not have to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. We're trying by having this conversation, we're trying to tell people that they don't have to necessarily ask for permission to be a certain way in their life and try to get approval before they do it. 
Right. We're just saying like, you can get out there and just go. And I know this is a big topic that you've been talking about a lot lately, playing bigger without asking for permission. So why yeah. are women ingrained to have to ask for permission or to get approval before they'll take the leap of faith? I think it's because that's what we've seen around us. We've seen women doubt themselves. We've seen women ask for permission. We've seen women conform to societal norms, whether we're looking at our mothers, our aunts, the women that we were raised with, like they, we haven't seen a lot of women have the opportunity or tenacity to go build something because we haven't been given permission to do that historically. So now as we are trying to give ourselves permission, it's real uncomfortable for a lot of people. And so it's, it can be uncomfortable for other women. It can be uncomfortable for men. So there's, when we see women do that, there's just not a lot of support around it. As soon as you find your place, I know that all three of us would agree with this. Like once we find our place in the, in whatever niche we're in, it's like, we're given unlimited permission. We could all three sit here and cheer for each other all day long because we found that network. But if I'm a mom or a woman who my seven closest friends work a traditional nine to five job, and I say, I'm going to go build my own business. I'm just a weirdo. Like no one is going to have a lot of confidence in me because it's not what people are seeing. And so I think that because it's not what's been modeled and then it's not what a lot of people around us have seen around them either. We are like, okay, like I want to do this in a way where like human nature, I want to, I want, I want to be confident, but I also want to feel that other people have confidence in me. Um, and I don't think that that's always there. And so a lot of times it's like really taking a chance on yourself when other people aren't supporting you or don't get it. Um, and I'm putting, don't get it in quotes because I have a lot of people who've been supportive as, of me as an entrepreneur, but like the feedback that they give me is weird, inappropriate, offensive, like ignorant. Um, you can share so, some of it. No, you have oh, to share some. I mean, multiple things, but my, so I will say my mom who this is not weird or inappropriate, but she's always like, honey, I embrace that. I don't really know what you do, but like, I love you and I'm here for you. So like, she's <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't know, but like, you're great. Which is, and she's my biggest cheerleader, but it's just always very cute. Cause she's like, very like she's not even going to try to she's just going to very clearly like i don't understand other people are like oh so like you have how's that mom blog you have i'm like okay so it's a podcast it's not a blog like i ha i'm like I it's not my job to give you definitions i'm like i just now at this point i'm like it's fine <laughs> my husband has a couple of friends were like oh your mom blog like how's that going and it just sounds like this really like cutesy small thing um one of my sister-in-laws keeps recommending that i started she's like i really hear youtube is a great like thing. Have you thought about getting on YouTube? And she's in her sixties and she's lovely. Like she only has my best interest at heart, but I'm like, I already have something that's working pretty well, but thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> so there's just like, people want to give these ideas and it's like, it undermines me, especially after having built businesses for 19 years. I'm like, thank you. And I got it. <laughs> no need to give me advice or ideas or opinions unless I ask for them. And I'm going to be real picky about who I actually ask. And it's not going to be people in my life who've never been entrepreneurial before. Um, so yes. And I'm sure all of you have gotten feedback along the lines too, where just random family members suggestions. And you're like, uh-huh. Thanks. <laughs> right. There's a lot of people that don't understand. Like, I, I think I don't even try to explain to a number of people right. what you know, what, what I've I'm doing or what I've done. Like they understand tangible products and things like that, but the emotional component mm -hmm. of it or 
or the motivational piece of it doesn't necessarily resonate. Well, and I think one thing that's changed over time too, is that there was this idea that to be successful in business or as a professional, that it was within a corporate setting or within a traditional business setting. But I think what started to shift over time is that with, um, and I think that women struggled, and you know this from working with a number of moms, um, and I went through this struggle myself, was as I became a mother, I couldn't work the same hours or the same time frame or the same nonstopness in a corporate setting as I was before. And so I've watched a number of women step out of owning, like they weren't able to be who they wanted to be because they were also being called to do this mom role, which in a number of ways gets much more accolades than you saying, no, I hired a nanny. I'm going to you know, stick with my corporate position. But I think now when you look at, because no, Nicole, when you started Skirt Sports, there wasn't an e-commerce business. There wasn't an Etsy. There wasn't you know, this now for, for women, I think there's an opportunity to work non-traditional hours to have a more, I know in my business that, I mean, that's why I left. I was like, I can't keep working. I had my second kid. And then they wanted me to work even more hours. And I was like, number one, this is killing my soul because I didn't necessarily believe in everything I was doing um, anymore. And then I was also like, well, this isn't, I thought I could have it all, but this isn't, this is not what all looked like right? <laughs> in my opinion. And so I said, how can I create more flexibility? I, I had to go start a business of my own, but in doing so I have hired a number of powerhouse women and and, you know, yes, we have some hours that we have to work, but, you know, we all work remotely and, and I trust each and every one of them implicitly to be successful and to work, but while also respecting all the roles of their lives. Right. And yeah. so I really think that technology and then even, I mean, the pandemic has shifted things immensely because now it's like, okay to work from home, right? Before it was kind of like weird. And, you know, to your point, like, oh, I've got a podcast business and a mommy blog. Well, like actually guess what? It's a wildly successful mommy blog and podcast, like things, you know, it's just the world has changed a little bit more to, I think, help accommodate women, um, be the powerhouses and, and own who they are. And there are more women entering into the space mm-hmm. to to give us more role models. That's what Absolutely. I I'm starting to see. It's not completely shifted, but but it it is starting, I feel like. Well, it's it, I could spend many hours talking about women in the workplace, moms in the workplace specifically, but interestingly, the things that moms were doing to be f- flexible with their time before the pandemic that everyone said would never work. Oh, look, they're working and they're working for every single successful company, every Inc. 500 company ever, like they're working for everyone. And you know, who said it was going to work five years ago, mom said that this was possible and nobody listened. So it's super frustrating. Like it's great that it's working now, but it's so frustrating that the 50% of our population who are women or the 51% and many of them being moms, like no one, people are like, Oh no, then we can't really do that. Like the old boys club was like, no, 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 no. And now, Oh, look, actually Zoom is actually a thing. <laughs> it actually works. <laughs> it's, so yeah, I mean, it I think does. it's shifted a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's going to continue to shift. I think the future of work is going to be inclusive in a lot of ways that uh, really supports parents. 
as long as you work for a company that is mission driven and values driven and that really lives the values on their wall, which, you know, from company to company that varies greatly. (laughs) I would agree completely. Well, you know, I think today's topic is, is interesting. This idea of playing bigger without asking for permission. And I know in my journey, I've had to sort of ask for permission or I've had to play smaller, right? I've had to apologize for who I was, for my drive, for my ambition, for even my successes. Um, so I'm interested in your thoughts on on how, how as women can we own our destinies? How can we play bigger? How can we, you know, wh- what does that, what does that look like? What are your thoughts? I love this question because it's something that I am practicing a lot and I'm practicing it a lot right now as I kind of shift more into doing, um, I'm doing some more, more corporate facilitation than I've done in the past, which is like all the things I've been doing in mom communities. And now I'm like, let's do that at Amazon or at Microsoft. And which is like really different. And I'm having to really play bigger in ways that I, that, that feel I'm testing myself a bit. Um, I'm stretching myself a bit and it's been amazing. And one of the ways I'm doing this is by owning my superpowers. And so one of the ways that women can play bigger is by owning their superpowers. So I haven't worked in corporate in 19 years. And when I did work in corporate, I worked in a psychiatric hospital. So it wasn't like I was going into Microsoft every day. Um, although it was just down the street from Microsoft, (laughs) but so my like version of like working corporate was, is very limited compared to most people. But I do know that no matter what, no matter where I am, there's things that I'm really, really good at that can have impact in any community. And so when I'm going into companies right now, even though I can't relate to the jargon and I'm having to constantly be like, what does that mean? Or literally like Googling things like under a table, like they just use this acronym and I'm not sure what it is and like really feeling my way. I'm also able to show up and say, hey, here's what humans in community with one another need right now. And here's what I'm really good at bringing to humans who need community. And owning in owning that, I'm able to get contracts that I want to get because I'm really clear about what I'm good at. And I'm really clear about saying it out loud. And I think that often we don't say it out loud or we're a little sheepish and we're like, oh, well, I've done a little bit of this, but not that much. And Bob in accounting might know better or, or someone, you know, Steve over there, the CEO, he might not really believe me if I say I'm good at something if we can really own the thing that we're good at and tell people they're going to believe us, like, unless you show them otherwise. So if I say, Hey, I'm really excellent at facilitating uncomfortable conversations in the workplace. And I say it with a tone of voice, just like that. There's no reason for someone to not believe me. But if I'm like, well, I've done it like once or twice. And I don't know, maybe like, and I have this kind of sheepishness about me, then they're going to be like, well, this sounds a little risky to take a chance on you. I know that I've facilitated uncomfortable conversations over and over and over again for years in groups of women now, as I've grown out the Shameless Mom Academy. And for me to take that into a company and do that in a corporate setting is bringing in a gift that they haven't seen in real life before. And I know the benefits of that. I've seen it play out. So I can own that superpower, even though they might not know that they need it. And even though they might not know me from anyone else who's walking in off the street, if I can own that superpower, then they're more likely to take a chance on me. And this would be in any capacity. So you might be a woman in corporate or a mom in corporate who's saying that you want to go up for a promotion and you're telling your boss and for you to say like, Hey, here's some ways that I see myself as being qualified for this. Even if you haven't previously demonstrated them in front of that person, you, you get to own that. You get to own that. Like 
in an ethical way. Like I, you should actually be good at the thing that you say you're good at, but owning those superpowers is really significant. Um, and I think that that's the first, the first step in, in playing bigger. And I can give more examples, but I don't want to, I'll let you interject. I love that. Can I, um, ask, is there any truth to the concept of fake it till you make it? Can Mm. that live here? Or is that, do we need to let that thing go? Really good question. So I think it's a, a little bit of both. Um, there's some ethics behind faking it till you make it. So like, for example, if I was going to go pretend to be a real estate agent and pretend I know what I'm talking about in real estate, just because I watched some HGTV, like I could really be putting some things at risk for potential for people who want to go buy a house or flip a house or whatever. So like ethically, just because I really love property brothers, like, no, I should not do that. So that would be like, don't fake it till you make it there because you could cause harm. Now, when I go into corporate and I'm uncomfortable because it's a new company, for example, and I've never been there and I don't know these people, I might really be faking it till I make it a little bit until I kind of get my bearings there. My gifts are my gifts and I'm going to show up in them hundred percent. So I'm not faking my gifts, but I might be faking my comfort in a moment um, while I'm kind of figuring out like, how do my gifts fit in this place? And so I think there's places to drop, like, absolutely don't fake it till you make it in certain ways. And then in other places, it's really kind of, it's like weighed into it uh, until you feel the confidence. And that might take a minute. It might take practicing it a few times. I know I'm the co-chair of my son's uh, parent association at a school this year. I had to show up and lead all these calls at the beginning of the year. And my hardest audience is the parents at my kid's school. Like put me on the <laughs> stage in front of a thousand people. I don't know. I'm good put me in front of my peer parents. And I am like shaking in my boots. I had to fake it till I make it or made it. Like I had to show up and be like, feeling a little sweaty. Like these people, they know I speak professionally and I'm like out of my comfort zone a million percent. Now I can go on those. I just had one this morning. Like I can go on those calls all day long. No big deal. But I was really like faking it till I made it. And in that, uh, in that capacity and in that role, because it was new and different, but I knew also like, my superpower, I can lead people on a Zoom call all day long, which is what I'm doing in that community. Yeah. And I, I understand that. I mean, you're not trying to fool people. That's right. the key, but you're trying to give yourself the confidence that you need. And right. sometimes you, it helps to portray that confidence before you have it. And it's taking a chance on yourself, which is another way of playing bigger, like take a chance on yourself and look at like, who are the women that are doing the things that you want to do and the women that you aspire to be like, because they've all taken chances on themselves. And those have been uncomfortable chances where you're like, how did they get there? It's because they took that that really uncomfortable chance on themselves without asking for permission. And they put themselves out there and said like, Hey, I'm good at this thing even when they were nervous, even when they were like, I'm completely peeing my pants right now. (laughs) Totally. I I think, um, you really hit on something. Nicole and I actually, um, were discussing in a previous episode, we talked about the imposter syndrome and this idea that, uh, we feel like fail, um, not failures, but, uh, frauds and that somebody we're just waiting for somebody to figure out that we don't know what we're doing. Right. And this happens actually for a number of high achieving women. 
Well, what I think is interesting that you said, you actually said two things um, before about owning your superpower. So not only were you saying like, it's okay to be good at something and to know that we're good at something, but it's okay. It's also okay to own that and not apologize for it, which I think is really interesting because as women, we're taught to apologize if we're good at something like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm actually really good at math. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm really good at, at science that might make you uncomfortable. Um, you know, but, but, women are just as qualified as men in a number of, of ways. And this idea of being able to succinctly tell someone that and be comfortable saying that. And by you saying that I'm good at this doesn't mean that you're always have to be good at it. It, it, you know what I'm saying? Like you can still make a mistake. Like you can be a good business owner, but still not know everything. Right. Mm -hmm. I can still be good at facilitating uncomfortable conversations, but that doesn't mean that sometimes I I'm have an off day or something right. along those lines. So right. do you have any like tips or tricks on how to a identify what your superpower is and then B also how to, you know, you mentioned like this, the, the difference between saying like, I am good at this or like, well, I did this a couple of different times, but you know, how, how as women, can we start to identify what we're good at, but then also speak about that in a powerful way. Do you have any ideas or thoughts on that? Definitely. I'm going to answer the first part first, and then you'll probably have to remind me the second part. Cause I'll get okay. off and forget. So <laughs> just remind me. So first part, how can you identify what you're good at? The, what's funny about this is usually the thing we're really good at feels easy to us. And because women feel like they have to overprove themselves, they dismiss the thing that they're really good at because it comes easily. And they're like, I should like work harder at this thing that I'm not good at. So for example, I'm really good at speaking, like unprepared speaking. I can show up. People can ask me questions. I can speak. I can tell stories. I can inspire really good at that. Not hard for me. But because I'm a high achiever, if I have a hard time working my printer, I beat myself up thinking I should really learn. I should really do like take an IT class and learn how to set up my printer and my scanner so that I know how to do that all the time so that I don't have to call my husband to come in here while I'm in the middle of crying and screaming because my printer won't work for the third time today, every single day. So instead of looking at the things that where you know you have shortcomings and you think you need to get better for me, it's printers. <laughs> Look at the things that come naturally to you that you enjoy. And those are going to be your superpowers. And then let yourself be really good at that thing. And so what that has meant for me, and I'll go back to the my son's school, my role at my son's school, I'm co-chairing the parent association with another parent. And I said to him at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'll do this, but here's what I'm good at. And here's what I'm willing to do. I will lead these meetings. I will bring in guest speakers. I will facilitate conversations. I will not take minutes. I will not review videos and timestamp them. I will not be the communication person who has to send out emails with bullet points because while I could do that, that's not the best use of my gifts in this capacity. And I'm too old. Like I'm too old <laughs> to show up and give my time in that way. And God bless the people who want to do that. And he was like, cool. He's already been doing these other pieces. He's like, has them systematized and templated. So he's doing that and I'm doing my things. So for me, I'm only showing up and doing the easy parts. Now for him, he's like, please don't ever make me lead a Zoom meeting. And I'm like, yeah, never have to lead a Zoom meeting because you know what I love the most? Leading a Zoom meeting, even though it was uncomfortable in the beginning. So 
looking at the things that feel easy to you, which in the workplace, we usually put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do the things that we're not good at and get and try to excel at those things. If you read the, um, the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, he talks about your zone of genius, which is the thing where you excel that lights you up and gives you energy and it feels like you're full of purpose while you're doing it. And not a lot of other people are good at it. Not a lot of other people want to tackle that. Where, we're, where we fail ourselves is where we look at our zone of competence or our zone of excellence and we torture ourselves trying to get better at things that we're only kind of competent in because we think that, well, I should be ha- figure out how to get better with numbers, even though like I'm really a, an amazing writer. And so first thing is identifying the things that where people, where you either recognize they feel good and they light you up or other people have just told you over time repeatedly, you're really good at that thing. Can I get your input on that? Or can you show up in this capacity? And you recognize like there's a pattern there. Um, so that's my first way of like, of recognizing what you're good at and owning it and being okay with it being the easy thing because we never pick the easy route. Like women are always like, how can I make this harder? (laughs) Maybe I should go back to school. So it's, but it's so true. What you're saying is, I mean, it's resonating with me completely. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Why don't we, cause I can tell you what I'm, what comes easy to me, you know? And, and also the women Mm -hmm. that I've hired are women that have worked for me. I'm like, you're really good at X, Y, and Z. Let's, let's focus on your strengths. Let's put you more in your strengths because the things that you're not as good at take two to three times, or I don't know if you're like this, I figure out ways to, to not have to do them. You know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I said I would do that. And then I'm like, Oh gosh. Oh, that, I don't know. I didn't have time for that. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, but if it's, if, you know, I love analyzing data, show me a spreadsheet and I'm like pumped. Right. <laughs> so like, I'll do that. But then if I have to, you know, like you said, you know, taking notes or like recording things, I mean, it does, it takes longer. And, and, um, I think that's a really, that what you said just really resonated with me. And I hope that those listening feel the same way yeah. you as know, well. So can I just mm-hmm. say that what I love about encouraging people to identify and embrace their superpower is that once you do, and once you settle into it, you become more confident. And at the end of the day, confidence is the key to playing bigger without asking for permission because you feel great. Can I give you an example of that? A quick example. So when I get off this call right now, or this interview right now, I'm going to go upstairs and make myself lunch. And I'm going to be like on top of the world. I'm going to be like, I have the best job ever. I will probably put up an Instagram story. That's like, I have the best job ever. And I got to talk to Nicole. It's so great. Blah, blah. If I had spent all morning timestamping videos and taking minute, minute meeting minutes and writing emails, I would go upstairs for lunch and be like, Oh my God, I just want to take a nap today. <laughs> so that's how, you know, like the thing that gives you energy when you walk out of your office or at the end of your day and you're like lit up and you're like, okay, what did I do today? That caused that feeling. Or if you feel just drained and like your soul has been sucked, what did you do that day to cause you to feel that way? And that's how you can really start to identify what, what are the things that are naturally and innately your gifts and your strengths and your talents? I love that. Good advice. Well, and you also gave us permission to not have to be good at everything, right? right? I mean, that is, I think that's huge as well. It's like, oh, well, I, but I have to be better at this and that, but, but maybe no, you don't, maybe you those don't. are just not the talents that you were born with. And that's okay. And it I mean, would they take tell away you, from those talents. If you tried to get good at that right. thing, it would take away from your natural gifts. And then the whole world loses because then Agreed. you're not building the right company. You're not going for the right role. You're not having the most impact. 
I completely cut you off. So please. go. Ahead. No, no. I love it because, you know, the second part of my question was, how do you speak about what you're good at? But I actually think, I think, you know, if you spend more time embracing what you're good at and like what you just said, the things that come easy, then, I mean, when I think about it in that way, I'm like, oh, I can talk about that all day. Like I can, you know, I, I, with having that kind of permission to say, oh, this is what I'm good at. I feel like I could verbalize that a lot, a lot better because I wouldn't be lying. Right. Like I'm not, if I'm, if I try to convince somebody I'm good at something that I'm not, then it really does feel, you know, fraudulent. But if, if I'm, I'm really speaking of the things that I know I'm powerful in, that feels like an easy sell and easy thing to speak about. Absolutely. You guys, this is a question for both of you, not me, because I am a woman with my own female experience raising a girl who's 10 years old, who will have her own female experience. But many, most probably of our listeners are moms. And in honor of having the host and owner of the Shameless Mom Academy, I'm going to ask a mom question here. Sarah Dean, you're raising a nine and a half year old boy. And Sarah Ratzliff, your son is seven. Is that right? Eight. So just turned turned eight. How do you, as you are both in the world of helping empower women to do all the things we just talked about today, what are you teaching your sons in order for them to support this philosophy? Who wants to start? <laughs> like that's a that's a heavy question. It I is know. because Sarah, I'm training both my of the Sarahs sit in silence. I, know, I mean, I'm, I'm like, training my uh, daughter, and Sarah, you've got a daughter too. You know, I'm training her to be everything she wants to be, and to play bigger, and to not ask for permission, and to try to avoid many of the insecurities and things that I went through as a younger girl. You know, to be the yeah. big presence and the amazing contributor to this world that she can be. But I don't have a boy, so I don't know how how you can help your son support that message. You know, I actually, I feel like I'm raising, and I can speak to it because I've got both a boy and a girl. I, I feel like I'm raising them both similarly in that I feel like in the generation that I was raised, and I think we're all of a similar generation, there was this idea that you grew up and you became a doctor, a lawyer, a, a, or if you're a woman, a nurse or a teacher, right? I mean, that's simplifying everything, right? And and it didn't matter what you liked or what you didn't like. And there was six channels on the TV and everything was sort of like, this is who you are supposed to be. Here's how the world works. And if you don't conform to these standards, you're sort of ousted. But I know as a parent, I've seen, I believe we're all born with our talents and gifts, like wherever they came from, we are meant to be something like my daughter adores horses. I don't even, I don't know where that came from. I don't even, I never even went near a horse and she wants to live on a farm, which I spent the majority of my life getting away from, you know, but I look at her and I say, you know, Avery, be whatever you want. Like there's really no choice, right? She is going to be who she is. And so I feel like my job as a parent is to simply say, Avery, I see you and be you, right? 
we're going to focus on, of course, you know, be good at, at all the other things in school and do the parts there. And then with my son, I think the same thing. It's like, who are like their talents and gifts are, are they're already evident. I'm sure you, I'm sure Sarah, you see that with, with your son and Nicole, you see that um, with Wilder as well. Right. Like, I just don't know that our parent, I think our parents felt like we needed, they needed to like change us. <laughs> like, that's cool. You're really good at, at that, but like, that's not valuable in this world. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel like the world acts that way anymore, but maybe that's just me and my own little silo over here. I don't know. Sarah, what do you think? Do you have a different answer? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, my answer piggybacks on, on both of yours. Um, so I, in raising my son have been really transparent with him about like what I do and treat it as like, this is just what moms and women do that we build companies and we're CEOs and he's hilarious because he doesn't have a full understanding of media yet. So like, if I do a podcast interview, he's like, so were you on the radio for that? Or like TV? And I'm like, believe, believe all of that. Sure. <laughs> Let's go for it. Um, but he, I'm trying to make it really clear that like, this is just a normal thing that women do, even though I'm definitely an outlier in many circles. Um, so this is just one way that women build careers and show up in the world and lead and use their voice and all sorts of things like that. The other thing, so it's modeling and making sure that he sees it. Um, and then the other piece is helping him make space for other experiences and voices. So when he comes home and he notices that something's different with a classmate or that something's different, um, and we have a lot of, I mean, the world that we're living in provides many conversations for this. Um, So, you know, of course, when George Floyd was murdered, there was a lot of opportunity for conversation around how people experience the world differently. And our families had many, many conversations since then. And my child is a child who's been to many protests and carried many signs with me. Um, But the behind all of that is recognizing like, he's going to be a white male and he's a pretty vocal kid. And so I'm recognizing like I'm raising a white male extrovert in a world made for white male extroverts. And so what do I want him to be aware of as he grows up to make space for other people that like the world is going to roll out the red carpet for you, my friend. And with that comes great responsibility. So it's not only showing him like what I'm doing, but also making sure that like when there's a situation that, uh, where people are treated differently that he's recognizing like, Oh, was that because of this? Was that because this community doesn't believe that a man and a man can marry each other? Was that because of someone's skin color or was that because of someone's religion or the list goes on and on. Um, and so that he's really conscientious of the ways that the world treats people and the ways that we have a responsibility to make space for people. Oh, I love this conversation. I want to keep going. Sarah Dean's got to go, she's got to go hit the corporate world or something next, right? I know. Well, it was, it's so interesting hearing what, what you're, you're saying, because I have a, um, you know, obviously a boy that's going to be a white male as well. However, he has two moms. So that's already going to (laughs) be, I actually, I'm like, and he's a very kind of sensitive he's not as outspoken. Like, I don't feel like the world's going to roll out the red carpet for him. I think he may, 
run into a number of struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting what you're saying, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to prepare him for um, believing in himself, no matter what, you know, whether you fit in or don't like um, be confident in who you are, like those kinds of things. And it's just because I, I think we each can already see the gifts that our children have or yeah. how the world's going to accept them. Yeah. And we've each tailored our approach accordingly um, to help prepare them for the world, you know? And I think modeling is important as well. Cause I kind of, I mean, he, like I said, he's got two moms. So I'm, I, I'm preparing him for people to not like, if people say something bad about that, or like at some point they're going to start realizing that, Mm -hmm. Like they don't talk about it that much, but when he's in middle school, they may want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I think already sees there's different family styles. We've had to have that conversation. Um, I just don't want him to feel bad about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's interesting to hear that. I think that's a great question, Nicole, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's one way anymore, right? Like there's yeah. not there's a multitude of ways and we have to be able to read the environment, read the room and, and help prepare our, the next generation. Yeah. And teaching our kids to read the room. I mean, I think that's like the, the baseline there. (laughs) That's it. Right. Oh my gosh. It is. It is. And, and it's so funny. I had all my friends, (laughs) I played rugby in college and all my friends were in town. And the number one thing that they kept saying was like, when they were talking about their kids, don't be an asshole. That's the number one thing. (laughs) Don't, you know what? Blah, 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 blah. Don't be an asshole kids. (laughs) So that could be the love the world, love the world, bring love. (laughs) Don't be hateful. So anyway, Sarah, this has been amazing. I can see why you're so good at facilitating uncomfortable conversations. Like you're so well-spoken. I love the way that you uh, put your ideas and your thoughts into words. It's been so inspiring. Um, And I've taken, I I have a lot to take away from our conversation today. So I'm really thankful that you spent the time with us um, in our podcast. Sarah Dean, I want to tell you that I think one of your superpowers is to help people feel comfortable in uncomfortable settings. So you rock. Did you think that was a superpower? Cause I think it's a super. Oh, I'm going to, I will tell, I'm going to go and tell my, my corporate proposal that I'm working on later today. I will put that right in there. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So we need pe- people want to find you for yeah. sure. Oh, after yeah. listening to this, um, how, sure. how can they find you? Sure. So if people want to listen to the podcast, I'm on any podcast platform. Um, you can go to, well, the podcast is the shameless mom Academy, which you can search for on any podcast platform. Um, you can find me online at shamelessmom.com. And then we have a free Facebook community for moms, which we have a few thousand moms in. If people go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, they can join our free community. You are amazing. Thank you. Oh my gosh. As are both of you. Thank you so much for this. It's been so much fun. I love it. Well, Sarah, good luck with all that's coming your way. And I hope you shine big and uh and go big so oh can't gosh, wait to thank you. all that's coming down the pike for you thank you 